Welcome to the EchoCast, episode 91. The EchoCast is a podcast about the Division franchise, the Division 2 news updates, speculation, as well as basically anything else related to gaming or whatever I feel like talking about. I am Bon Diesel. I sometimes stream, I podcast, I shitpost on Twitter and Reddit. And I say things whether they help or not. I appreciate you listening. If you're a first-time listener, welcome. If you're back for more, bless ya. Today, we are going, well, we're we're going to talk about Division 2 Weekly News, uh, some new Xbox Scarlet details, the Game Awards, uh, Division 2 community topics, listener questions, and content updates. If you'd like to support this podcast and my other content, please check out patreon.com slash the echo cast. Thank you to our Patreon supporters this month. Hassan, Christian, Darren, Justin, Joe, Tim, PK, and DJ. I do want to congratulate uh, Punk L for winning the Tommy Teddy Bear giveaway. I will try to ship that out as soon as possible but I am notoriously bad about sending out prizes and this is a very busy time of the year for me. So please be patient Uh, for division two news recap. So um, we, there's no state of the game. There's not going to be one until January 8th, as they said last week. Um, So as for news between the 5th of December and the 11th, as far as I can tell, there is none. And um, I understand not doing the state of the games every week. I get it. Um, I know this week, I believe a lot of the, um, breaks began for, um, the workers at massive and the different Ubisoft studios. Um, but when, when they talked about not doing state of the games anymore, they, they did talk about trying to get information out a different way. Um, and, you know, and they were doing these, these news recaps on the forums, whenever they um, didn't have enough time or enough new information for a state of the game. And we didn't get that this week. Um, There's probably just not much to talk about, which is fine, but you know, kind of can't have it both ways. I, um, you know, I, I, I assume episode three is coming at the end of uh, probably January or uh, probably sometime during February. And I just don't, um, I, I, it really blows my mind that we like maybe today in lieu of a information drop, we would have gotten like a 15 second teaser (laughs) for episode three or something. Um, you know, I'm not an expert. I don't work for massive. I don't work for Ubisoft. I don't know what's going on. I'm sure just like always, there's some grand plan. Um, but I am a consumer. Uh, I am relatively involved in this community and have a decent touch on the heartbeat of what's going on. And this whole strategy for year one of division two of holding all information about what's coming close to the chest and then just kind of blurting it out there a couple of weeks before we see it. Um, 
I mean, I don't think it's worked very well so far. Uh, maybe I'm the only one who thinks that. Uh, I highly doubt that I am. Um, but, you know, they have a plan and we're just watching it. <laughs> so that's all I have for Division 2 this week. I have nothing else that I can talk about. Um, but we'll talk a little, a little bit more uh, down in the uh, community topics. Um, for other gaming news, uh, we had the Game Awards uh, last week. Uh, and the biggest reveal of that, I think, is pretty uh, pretty easy to identify. It was the uh, the reveal of the Xbox Series X, uh, or what I guess is going to be called the Xbox. We'll we'll talk about that. Um, one of the bigger things uh, that came of it was that they announced Hellblade Two. Um, Sinuous Sacrifice, uh, Hellblade, and the, the first game uh, was made by Ninja Theory, and I actually just finished it. Um, I'm going to talk about that later. Um, but they they announced a next-gen game. That's a big deal. Um, that's going to be on the Xbox Series X, the next generation. Um, is it going to be playable on the Xbox One generation as well? You know, maybe. I think I'll talk about that in a moment. Um, but they've had a bunch more details drop about the Xbox since the the game uh, the game awards. Um, so we do know uh, it can stand up or sit on its side. Um, the the big thing about the Xbox Series X that we found out is that they um, have decided uh, to go with a whole new form factor. So. Man, even basically since like the Super Nintendo, you know, going way back, we've essentially had um, a rectangular long block uh, with the Playstations, with the Xboxes, um, even the Wii (laughs) kind of all had a similar form factor. Um, But the new Xbox, at least this one, is going to essentially be a cube, a tall cube. Uh, which is going to be very different. Uh, now, I know a lot of people have talked about that. Oh, it's not going to fit my entertainment center and blah, blah, blah. Um, well, there's two things. Um, on its side, it probably will. Uh, I think a lot of people saw pictures of it and assumed this thing is going to be huge. Um, but if you look at the pictures um, compared to the controller, which I imagine, uh, well, actually an article I saw said specifically, the new controller for the Xbox, the new gen, is actually a little bit smaller than uh, the existing Xbox One controller. Um, if you compare it to the controller, the new console actually looks really small, um, especially for how powerful it's going to be. Um, so I highly suspect that for most people, it's not going to be that big of a deal. The second thing about the form factor is that I bet they don't want you to be able to fit it inside of your entertainment center. Um, I have every reason to believe that they want you to display this thing on top of your uh, on top of a shelf or on top of your entertainment center, uh, front and center, where everyone can see it. Um, I, I think it's very intentional that they're going to make it um, a noticeable part of your setup. Um, but also, it looks very simple and classy and modern. I think it looks awesome. Um, so, you know, from what I've seen so far, it looks like it's only about as wide uh, on the four sides as a, as a controller which is not very big. It's uh, maybe seven or seven inches, maybe six inches, I think. Um, And only looks as tall. I believe they've said it's only as tall as like the current Xbox one X when it stood up. 
which isn't very tall. So when you consider that it's got a fairly small footprint and it's not really that tall, um, you're talking about a pretty compact little device. Um, they have confirmed that it's going to be able to play any game that currently plays or, or on the day of the Series X release, any game you can play on Xbox One will be playable on the Series X. Um, and that's a big deal. Uh, one of the biggest problems with the generational jumps is that there's almost never many good games or hardly any games at all that are available when there's a new generation of console. Um, and there, you know, if the, and if there's no backwards compatibility, it's even worse. Um, so what's interesting here is they're making it very clear. Uh, so what I've been saying for a while is I actually think that this series X and all of the new Xboxes are really just super beefed out Xbox ones when it comes to like an architecture. So a big question I have that I've been trying to get answers for and haven't found any is whether or not Xbox One games are actually going to be natively played on the Series X. And I think they will be. Uh, the The architecture of the CPU of the Xbox One um, is going to be the same as the Series X. It's x86. So if you're a PC person, that should mean something to you. It might mean more to you than it does to me. But what I know is that means that if it works on one, it should work on the other. And what's actually interesting is that uh, the first Xbox was actually x86. It was essentially a little PC. Um, but then when they went to the 360, uh, they they used a power PC architecture, which was um, not the same as like a regular PC, which meant that that's why um, you actually have to use an emulator on the one at, on the, on the Xbox One to play 360 games because it's not compatible. So it has to use an extra step to play those games. So because it seems like the Xbox One to Series X transition is essentially just going to be a huge graphics and hardware boost, um, but when it comes to the actual CPU and structure, um, especially because it looks like it's going to be the Zen 2 AMD um, GPU and CPU, um, it's, it's essentially just a big power upgrade. It seems to be similar to the switch from Xbox One to the One X, uh, which... You know, for me, you know, I've said it before, but, you know, months ago I said, man, I wonder, you know, if Division 2, you know, obviously that's a game that matters to me, if I'm going to be able to play that day one on the Series X. And it seems like I will be able to. And if it plays natively, then hopefully we get a patch for the Series X that allows us to have 120 FPS. Um, it already has 4K on the One X for Division 2, but it's like way dialed down 4K. So if it allows them to actually open up a bunch of the really cool effects um, that you'd be able to get on a PC of the same power as the, the Series X is going to be, I mean, I think that's a big deal. And that's obviously not just for um, Division 2. That's for all of these games. Um, obviously, first-party games are going to get supported really well on the Series X, um, the Halos, and you know any you know, Hellblade and and all that. Um, but the third party is where it gets kind of interesting um, because you know Ubisoft and Massive with Division Two isn't just developing for the Xbox; they're developing for PC primarily, it seems, as well as the PS4, PS5 as well. And I don't even know how that's all going to work, but if they're going to be directly compatible. Um, natively, or if it's going to be emulated. 
Um, so we'll have to see. I'm definitely curious. Um, they have confirmed uh, that it's they're they're gonna call it the, the Xbox. Um, it seems like they're gonna try to go with kind of like an Apple type branding, where you know, like most people don't say like I have an Xbox or a, I have a iPhone XR12. You know, they say I have an iPhone, and maybe some people you know flaunt which one they have or not. But for the most part, you know, people know the iPhone as the iPhone, and it seems like Microsoft is trying to do the same thing with the Xbox, whether you have a One X or a Series X or a Series S or any other versions they may come out with. Uh, you know, someone says, Hey, you know, what do you game on? You say, Oh, I have game on, I, I have an Xbox. Oh, like which one? And then you, you know, you maybe clarify, but you can definitely tell from like a marketing perspective, they're trying to do that. Now, when it comes to uh, consumer education and things like that, uh, I worked at GameStop all through college and a little bit afterwards. And I will tell you that I feel bad for every single Xbox and or uh, every single GameStop employee and every single old person or even young person that comes in and wants a new Xbox. Um, I'm curious to how they're going to try to get people to recognize each one. Uh, they did talk about the new controller. I mentioned it a little bit before. Um, it's going to have some more direct like sharing capability. I think it's similar to what you know like the PlayStation 4 actually had. Um, and some upgraded ergonomic stuff. So it's going to have a new D-pad on the base controllers, which is actually going to mimic the D-pad you can get on the Elite controllers currently. Um, and they're also going to have uh, going to have haptic feedback on the triggers. Um, so it kind of seems like they're going to be able to um, either have like vibration on the triggers, like to to maybe help you feel like recoil and things like that. But it seems like you may even be able, they may even be able to like help you differentiate. Like, like if you're playing a game like Hellblade and you make contact, you know, you swing your sword and use a trigger button to do that. And you hit the body of your opponent. It'll have a different feel than if you, if they block you with their sword, um, you know, from like a shooting game perspective, um, this could depend on like, you know, the caliber of your gun could, you know, vibrate more or less, um, like shooting a bow and arrow that could be kind of cool. Cause it could, you know, it could get harder to pull back as you pull the trigger more. So if you just kind of tap it, it will be fairly easy. But if you try to draw this, draw it all the way back, you would feel some resistance. Um, I'm really curious to how they can do that. It also could just be a complete, um, you know, marketing thing. Uh, and probably the biggest news or the biggest things I've seen confirmed so far is that they're going to have an NVMe SSD. If you're a PC person, you know what that is. Um, I'm not super duper into that stuff, even though I kind of am. Um, but basically having that NVMe SSD um, in your PC is the fastest uh, memory you can have in a computer. And, and when I say memory, I mean um, like hard, like storage space. So if you have a video game installed on a NVMe NVME SSD on your computer, you're going to get extremely fast loading times, especially if your PC is fast, if it's well built, has a lot of RAM, has a good CPU, has a good GPU. Um, what they also talked about is that it's going to have DDR6 RAM as its primary operating RAM. Um, and what's interesting about that is that um, the for most PCs nowadays, even good ones, most people are running DDR4 RAM which isn't old. I mean, it's, it's not new, um, but it's really good. It's top of the line still at this point. And DDR six is mostly only used in GPUs. Um, so I don't really know 
Um, you know, I, I know with other generations of consoles, it's had this thing where um, the, the, the CPU and the GPU kind of share RAM. Um, I, I believe they've said that the, the Series X is going to have um, 12 gigabytes of dedicated like system RAM with four gigabytes dedicated to like the operating system um, and stuff like that. And actually this NVMe SSD can actually be used as like virtual RAM. Um, so I'm really curious to how they're going to balance all that stuff out. Uh, so yeah, tons of Xbox details. Um, when it came to the actual game awards, I thought it was really cool. I, I feel like it peaked early <laughs> with the Xbox announcement, but there's some other cool stuff. Um, game of the year got awarded to Sekiro. Um, that's a game that I've heard a lot about. Um, a game that I will probably never play. Um, it's uh, kind of a Souls type of game. Um, I already figure I don't really like Dark Souls and stuff. It's not a type of game I enjoy. Um, I even didn't care for the super, super, super easy version of it. That is the new Star Wars game. Um, and so Sekiro, I can tell, probably just not my jam. But I've heard enough about it from enough people I respect um, to say that it's kind of a surprising game of the year to beat out um, Death Stranding and to beat out even like Resident Evil 2's remake and things like that. But cool. I like seeing an underdog win and it seems like it deserves it. Um, on Twitter, I did a bunch of guesses on who uh, I actually did two things. I guessed um, what I thought would win each category or each category I cared to answer. Uh, and then what I thought should win each category. And oddly enough, I did not do very well. Um, I got five of my own personal favorites, correct? Uh, for games that actually won. And I got five of the, um, of the picks that I thought would win, even if I didn't personally like it. Um, I was a big fan of games like the outer worlds and stuff like that. Um, which was uh, like the outer worlds was nominated for a bunch of awards, but didn't win any of them. Um, I kind of get it. Um, uh, I, I think it's a bummer that they, you know, apparently they're putting out DLC next year, uh, which I'll definitely check out. Um, but it, it, the outer worlds was one of my favorite games to finish in the last year. And really in the last few years, um, but it, it, it needed more. It, it, it was just, it needed like another, like five or six hours of, of really interesting content. So I get why it didn't win the awards, but I'm really glad it got nominated. Uh, the seven, uh, the second little gaming topic I wanted to talk about was an article I found on gamesindustry.biz, Um, and it was called the breaking the outrage cycle. Uh, the article talked about how the simple structure of quote unquote live games um, be, at their heart kind of brings a conflict as consumers pay for unfinished products and developers are handed technically impossible games to really finish. Um, from my perspective, it seems that games like Destiny, The Division, Warframe, Anthem um, essentially promise more than than they could ever really deliver when it comes to like modern day development cycles for most developers, uh, which is three to four years, it seems at this point. Um, so it means that basically consumers can't be satisfied. Um, even the most realistic ones sometimes. Um, it also means that developers get pushed to their limits or beyond and themselves can become resentful of the unsatisfied customer complaints um, about the work that they're slaving over um, and sometimes I've even found that a lot of times the devs agree with a lot of the criticisms, um, but feel like the players just don't really understand that many of the requests that they the consumers are making just 
aren't possible, either technologically or time-wise or budget-wise. Um, you know, th- this this live game genre, especially because it seems like it's mostly looter shooters, um, it requires developers to be extremely transparent about what's you know the upcoming content and updates to satisfy unsatisfiable customers. Um, but this kind of also works against them because it makes storytelling um, and hype hard to do and to foster. Um, to me, I think this leads to you know developers of live games walking a nearly impossible um, to walk line of ensuring things are coming to customers without spoiling those things and trying to make them high quality um, all at once. Um, the article talked a lot about the kind of the perverse relationship where developers um, can put these games out and make a ton of money um, for a long time, even with relatively small audiences. Um, but that relationship and that situation can create and spread toxicity and nastiness um, that honestly, some people just seem to enjoy being a part of. Um, it seems like even games journalists are involved in this kind of perverse relationship um, where, you know, this game promises a lot. It doesn't deliver. The community gets outraged. And then journalists now have easy stories to write, um, you know, focusing on consumer toxicity and clapbacks from devs that are frustrated with clickbait articles. Um, and it's to the point where the entire live game world um, to outsiders almost looks like this sustaining outrage cycle that just goes round and round and round. Um, and even if the outrage is only coming from a relatively small number of people, um, something I've noticed about, you know, my, most of my experience comes from the division, but like, like the division two is the type of game that I understand if people feel let down or if they haven't been satisfied with how the release has gone and, and how the game has gone since release. Um, that's, that's understandable. And if people want to express that and give their ideas or just express their frustrations, I, I think that's great. Um, but the problem is, is that that's not really what I see much of. I, I mostly see people being just really toxic and really awful um, I, I know people keep trying to argue the definition of toxicity. Honestly, if 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 we if you have to if we need to argue about what that is, to me it just it's fairly easy just to know what it is when you see it. <laughs> um, you know, I can go into a much longer discussion about the specifics of it, but I don't really need to. Um, it seems like a lot of people that push back on the toxicity talk are people who kind of like some of it and kind of either feel bad or. Or they they like the people who kind of itch you know scratch that itch for them, and that's fine. Teach their own, but like like today, Hamish, who's a community manager for the Division Two, posted um, you know, what I believe was a YouTube comment um, that was talking about him, and it was just it had nothing to do with the game. It, it was just these personal, this long, 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 long tirade of personal attacks on him. Hamish's only job is to take the information that he's given permission by Massive to release and then to present it to us on stay of the game. He doesn't develop the game. He doesn't decide what he gets to tell us. He doesn't, he doesn't do, he has very little power when it comes to those things. His job is to disseminate the information in a friendly and entertaining way, which I personally think he does a great job of. 
and it's it's this type of personal you know and i quote tweeted it and i pointed out that like you know that's his job and and to a point it's sad but he has to kind of expect that behavior but in my in my tweet i pointed out that you know i i work a full-time job i have a wife i have a baby now i have a family i have friends i have other activities i do other than posting on twitter and streaming and doing youtube videos and this podcast and some of the things that i've experienced you know i can't even imagine what it must be like for community managers or full-time content creators and stuff i mean i've been lied about i've been doxxed or attempted to be i've been blackmailed unsuccessfully i've been straight lied about i think i said that already but you know like i've been treated like someone who's like like a nazi war defendant you know you know and and i see this happen all the time that there's these like personal attacks that happen whether it's someone who just likes a game or makes content about a game or it's a developer of the game or a community manager or whatever and it's never about the game now there's probably a deep-seated psychological talk to have about how most of these people who are real nasty um, are just doing this from an anonymous point of view and they're probably projecting a lot of their own issues and it maybe has nothing to do with the game anyways and it's just them getting some working through some stuff and unfortunately if you if you're their target that day that's what it is um but like me like you know, and i've seen it with a lot of people like you know there's people i've had to straight basically block on every form of social media because they just became so obsessed with anything i would say about the game if if i complained about the game they were nowhere to be found but if I said something vaguely nice about the game or had a nice interaction with a dev or someone else who likes the game, you know, it was just, it's just full on attack, shill, you know, dick liquor, whatever, you know, and it wears on you. I mean, there's multiple times I've considered just deleting my Twitter, deleting the stream, stopping the podcast and just playing games when I have time. And just not bothering with the community because sometimes even if it's a minuscule part of the community that's doing this stuff, it makes it feel almost pointless to, to interact, to ask questions, to give your point of view. It almost gets to the point where you just, you almost just don't care anymore and you would rather just disappear and just play the game and just enjoy it without anyone attacking you for it. Now I'm a little too stubborn to really go through with that, at least at this point, Maybe you all will get rid of me eventually, but it's not going to happen yet. Sorry. Okay. And then for the final part of this, uh, I wanted to do a quick, like super duper late review of Hellblade. Um, so if you have an Xbox um, and you have game pass, uh, or if you don't, you can probably get super cheap. If you look around for at least a month or two or three, um, Hellblade Sinuous Sacrifice is on it and it is super good. Um, it has kind of a slow beginning. Um, it has kind of a God of War feel, and I'm not talking like the old God of Wars. I'm talking like the brand, the new one. Um, in the combat, it's more simplified, probably you know, with weapons and stuff. Um, but and it's a fairly simple melee combat game with dodging, um, you know, doing like blocking and and you know counterattacking and things like that. But beyond what I thought was a fun game to play. Um, the story 
is just so good. And the first third, I would say, was a little slow. The second third definitely picked up really well. And then the final third of that game may be my favorite thing I've ever played ever. Um, and it's for lots of reasons. I'll try not to spoil anything or much, but it has a lot to do with in the final third of the game, um, you spend two thirds of the game feeling kind of weak and not that powerful. And then you feel very powerful and the story really picks up and the storytelling, um, you know, something that's not spoilery about the game is that <clears throat> they never just come out and say it, but it's pretty obvious that um, the the person you play as has, multiple personality disorder or what now is called dissociative disorder. Um, and it seems like she has PTSD and maybe even a schizophrenic to a point. It seems like she's been through some stuff. And while you're playing the game, she has this multiple personality disorder. Um, so you hear these different voices. Um, and, and, you, and it's, and it's, you know, the voices will go like ear to ear, you know? So if you're listening, you have to play this game with headphones on if you play it. And what the, the, the what's really cool about it is that there's when you're exploring, um, the voices will help you or hurt you. Um, so for the most part, it seems like they they help try to guide you in the right direction. If you're walking towards something, an objective, it, they'll be like, "Oh, she's going the right way." Oh, do you guys see her? What is she doing? And if you're going the wrong way, they'll be like, "What? Why is she going that way? It's the wrong way. Stop it! Stop! Stop! Stop!" And when you're fighting, it's really cool. Um, because it gets to the point where you're fighting multiple enemies at once. And if you're focused on one enemy too long, the other enemies will get behind you and attack you. But if you're paying attention, the voices in your head will say, watch out behind you. He's about to hit you and you can dodge out of the way or you can counter it or do whatever you need to do. It's really cool. And then the, the final third of the game is great. And then the sequence, the, the final sequence of the game, um, it's the music, it's the power fantasy it's the culmination of, of everything that's happened before. It's just so good. And then the way the game ends is like, is very satisfying. And, and it makes me, um, I had started this game before the Hellblade two trailer dropped. Um, but then that dropped, I was like, ah, I need to finish that game. And then a couple of days I finished it and I stayed up till like one in the morning finishing it. Oh, and it was just so good. So if you can play it, I highly, highly suggest it. What I also highly suggest is sticking around for this 30 second ad roll. I'll be right back. Okay, so we'll wrap this uh, podcast up with um, some division community topics, um, a listener question, uh, some content updates, and uh, we'll kind of wrap this thing up. So uh, some division uh, community topics. So uh, I was going to quickly kind of talk about my own uh, TU 6.1 impressions, uh, the newest patch for division two, um, and kind of what I've seen, um, what I've seen is it seems like it's been fairly well received. It did not introduce a bunch of new content. Um, it was pretty starved if you want me to be totally honest. Um, but it did come with a new, um, event and it did come with, you know, the, the new apparel event. Um, it did come with some of the new Christmas stuff and, um, overall, uh, it, it's fine. It didn't introduce anything that's all that exciting, to be totally honest. Um, I, 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 I like it, I guess. The, the apparel event is really cool, and I really need to get cracking on it because it's the best apparel we've gotten so far. What I will say about the apparel event, um, between the emotes and um, the gun skins and it, just the outfits, this was really, really, really obviously supposed to be a Halloween apparel event. 
Um, so I don't know if it got delayed because they wanted to maybe give us a little bit of something to do on top of hardcore, which was also part of 6.1. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, this, this, this apparel event was super obviously supposed to be for Halloween, but that's fine. Whatever. It's still cool. Um, hardcore is, is cool. Um, I think I'm only on like level eight or nine on my character. I haven't had much time to play division this week. Um, I, I like it. Um, I will say, especially at the very beginning is the most like a division agent I ever felt playing the game. Now I can already tell I'm starting to feel pretty powerful. Um, and I'm not super worried about dying, even though there's so many times I've died in the regular game. Cause I was like beside like an explosive barrel or something, um, that I am like super paranoid where I take cover and things like that. Um, but I will say what I like about the most about hardcore is that, especially if you're playing it solo is, is you, it's the first time I've really felt like there's consequences if I try to play superhero. So going through the missions, even doing, um, control points and stuff like that. I definitely find myself being very tactical, you know, taking my time. Um, I, I've actually dedicated to not doing a revive hive, uh, run. To, so I'm not going to use the revive hive right now. I'm using the turret and, um, you know, the, um, the heal launcher. Um, I, I suspect I'm going to regret this eventually, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, um, it's it's fun. It's cool. Um, I really hope that they do more to it. Um, I, I I think you know I've seen some criticism from people saying it's just the regular game with permadeath. In theory, the first time you die playing the regular game, you could delete your character, and it's the same thing. And that's sort of true. Um, if you haven't noticed or if you haven't seen it, there are people who have already finished the raid with their hardcore characters, um, which is just insane. That's so cool. Um, I suspect these people probably all grouped up and, you know, burn the 30 and, the, you know, gear score 500, um, together. And I really think you need to play hardcore solo. Um, I, I think that's the way that it plays the way it should, um, with the most risk. And it, it really kind of brings that feeling, but you know, obviously you can do whatever you want. Uh, another community topic I saw, which kind of cracked me up, um, was that there's a division one, 1 1.7 pet uh, petition. Uh, asking people, uh, asking Massive to roll back the updates of Division 1 from 1.8.3 to 1.7. Uh, this is just such a waste of time. Um, they are not going to do anything to Division 1. Um, I've even seen some people post about like, oh, is, is, was this in, is this always in Division 1? And people thinking that there's like, they're like secretly working on Division 1 still, and, and they aren't. Um, I would be very, very willing to bet that there will never be another client side patch for division one that adds anything new. Um, it seems like they are trying to support it pretty well with continuing, um, you know, global events and, you know, keeping the, the servers running well and stuff, but division one is done. And I know it's been really hard for a lot of people to accept that. Um, but division one is over. It's division two now. And uh, there's nothing wrong with playing some Division One. Go back and live that dream. Um, but people asking, you know, I've literally seen people say they need to end development on Division Two and go back to one and things like that um, for various reasons. As just the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Um, obviously, people can have their opinions, and I can 
think that their opinion is stupid. <laughs> so, um, and, and you can think that my opinion on that is wrong and that's fine. Uh, but yeah, so please, for the love of all, it's good. Don't bother with this stuff. Um, yeah, let's move on. Uh, and then the final thing I made the mistake of posting on Reddit and, and making the post where I asked, you know, what would your ideal episode three of division two be for year one? Uh, and I pointed out some things that we know for a fact, uh, about your, about, um, episode three, we know it's going to be an NYC. Um, you know, I, I asked people to be somewhat realistic about what that means. We're not getting the whole Manhattan map. Let's just be honest. It's not going to be the entire Manhattan map. Um, in fact, in an interview, I believe Julian Garrity basically said that, um, it's Brooklyn, which I imagine will be a bigger version of the Brooklyn map from division one. Um, and it's Coney Island. So, um, in, in, in his interview, it, it was in Japanese. So the way it translates seems like it may not be a hundred percent clear, but it seems like there may be some other neighborhoods as well. So I don't know if we're going to have like a few smaller areas to explore, um, but we'll have to see. Um, so as I should have predicted, but maybe I was too hopeful, um, this basically came to almost no worthwhile responses. Um, it's interesting because I'm not burned out on division two, but I'm definitely burned out on the community. And, um, you know, that, that that's come from a few years of dealing with it and trying to be kind of the devil's advocate. Um, even though really I'm rarely trying to be a devil's advocate, I'm often just supporting my own opinions. Uh, they just happen to, to not always jive with the rest of the community. Um, but it's, it's really, it's really burned me out, especially lately when just like 90% of the responses, um, from people are trolling or bitter or toxic. Um, you know, again, I get why people aren't thrilled with the content we've gotten. I've expressed my displeasure um, as well, but I just, I just think that there's just so much acting out of line and so much immaturity and, and, and very few people pushing back on it. Um, I don't think it's anyone's job to push back on the toxicity and negativity and stuff. Um, but at the very least, there's a lot of people in the community who I think could step up and at least provide a different perspective or at least maybe not support the people and promote the people who are being so awful. Um, but that's up to them. I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm tired, you know, after the whole bullshit happened with the podcast and people misconstruing some things I said on it, um, causing a bunch of issues. I just, um, it's been hard. <laughs> like I said before, I mean, I've definitely considered wrapping it all up and I really don't want to. I, I really enjoy doing the podcast. I really enjoy streaming when I'm able to, it's just been really hard, um, to find time with the baby and so on. But man, like there's times where I just miss the days where I would just turn on my Xbox and play games for a couple hours and then go to bed. <laughs> um, so I think I'm a little too stubborn to completely go away at least anytime soon. Um, but it's been tough. What I will give credit to is that there were some people that gave some cool responses. Um, and basically it came down to people really wanting, really wanting to hear Rick Velassi on the radio. Um, maybe even interact with them in some capacity. That would be cool. Um, a lot of people want to fight the cleaners again, which I completely agree. Um, I think we're going to fight cleaners, maybe some scraps of the LMB and Black Tusk in New York City. That's my guess right now. Um, they want to kill Keener or at least have some type of arc complete with Keener um, in episode three. 
some type of new replayable mode in the game, which I think is a very reasonable ask. And for episode three to involve April Keller and uh, Fei Lau. And, and I, I don't know about April. I think they may save her for like year two and DC type of thing. But Fei Lau, I, I would find it really hard to believe that we won't at least have some type of cut scene where we see her. Um, and she, you know, gives us orders for what we're doing in New York or says, Hey, we heard that Keener is doing this or that, um, what would be super cool. And this is way too big of an ask, but if, uh, someone's playing division two who played division one and they have a way to recognize that, um, if they could figure out a way that like when you interact with Faye, that your division one character is there or represented in some way, that'd be pretty badass. And if someone didn't play division one, maybe it just has a, a generic agent hanging out. But if there was a way that they could try to incorporate like an updated version of your division one character, that would be pretty badass. Um, and for anyone who left their division one character wearing some like hilariously stupid uh, cosmetics, that'd be kind of funny too. But um, so there were some decent responses, but for the most part, it was just trash and, and, and it's frustrating. But if you're listening to this, you're probably not one of those people. Uh, and I thank you for that. Okay, we have one listener question today from Joe Polidoro uh, on Discord. Uh, Joe asked, with a sneak peek to a better RNG system coming after episode three, what would you say to an episode three delay so new content and systems are released together? Uh, I think that's a reasonable ask. Um, I don't think it's going to happen. Because what, what I am predicting is that episode three is going to wrap up year one which has been kind of a fluff. <laughs> um, I really hope that episode three is, is a very invigorating um, change of pace when it comes to the episodes. So we'll have to see. And then those changes that we saw, the, the big change in the gear system I talked about last week, um, I think is going to come with episode one of year two. Um, and I suspect it's going to come with a gear score increase and probably a bunch of huge changes to the game. Um, what I've been trying to point out to people is that if they're changing the way that gear works that much, uh, the way they showed in that preview, um, they're, I'm imagining that they're going to change the game that much. I don't really know what that means, um, but it seems like they wouldn't invest that much in that one part of the game, and they aren't going to change a ton of stuff. And it's very possible that the plan all along has been that year two will have these like big immense changes to DC or to the way the game plays or to what's happening in the game world. Um, so I, I don't blame you for wanting that to be delayed. So it all happens at once. But my guess is that when those, uh, previewed RNG and gear changes happen, that it will be during a big change, but not episode three. So great question though. Um, so thank you for the question. If you have any questions, feel free to ask on my discord. I give people an opportunity on Twitter to ask questions on my YouTube, uh, basically anywhere you can check out Patreon as well. Uh, as for content updates, I'm kind of taking a break from streaming right now. I was trying to stick to a schedule. It just wasn't happening. I, I think I made it one week sticking the schedule out of like two months. Um, and I'm just really busy. I am taking a couple weeks off around Christmas. So I am going to try to stream a little bit then uh, I'm trying to implement kind of a workout schedule and a streaming schedule. Um, I've talked to Bay Diesel a lot about it and trying to make sure that I have time for her and for the, for baby diesel and 
um, to do the things I need to do. I need to lose some weight. I need to get in better shape. Um, I do want to get back to doing the things I enjoy doing when it comes to content creation. And uh, I'm really hoping there's a division two, uh, you know, in a state between episode three and year two that uh, makes it easier <laughs> to come back and make content for it. So we'll have to see uh, for anyone who still supports and subs my stream and checks out the podcast and watches my videos and tolerates me on Twitter. I very much appreciate it. And, uh, and that's about all I have. So if you want to support the podcast or my other content, please check out Patreon dot uh, com slash the echo cast if you are listening to this podcast on itunes please rate the podcast and leave a review it helps me get noticed uh, i am bond diesel on twitch where i try to stream a couple times a week i am also at bond diesel on twitter where you can catch my thoughts some stay of the game live tweets when we have stay of the game and the occasional uh, foot in my own mouth uh, last, if you want some cool The EchoCast or Bond Diesel merch, please check out bonddiesel.live slash merch. And uh, that's all I have. So, until next time. I'm <laughs> gonna